Well, good morning once again and welcome. Another week, another lesson. See what God has for us. Every week I, I, I study and I uh, go into prayer and consult with God about what we're going to talk about. And we never really know how it's going to turn out till it, we get to this point and see where the, the Spirit leads us. And uh, one thing I'd like to talk about today is, is about the, the Word of God. And, um, you know, people often question, well, how do we know that's the Word of God? And they say, well, you know, man is the one that wrote it down. And I have, my answer to that is, if you have these questions, you've never really read the Word of God or you've never really studied the Word of God because if you compare it to any other text, you can see the difference. As I was uh, looking in the passage we're going to pull from today, there's just so much. It's like a, a, a buffet that never ends. You can just keep getting more and more from it as it connects with other pieces, as it connects with the Holy Spirit, as it connects with your level of relationship with God. It just keeps feeding you more and more. And that's what's different with the Word of God because it's alive. Any other text you read, you get the face value of what's there, and that's pretty much it. But the Word keeps feeding you. And you know, the Word, it was done over the course of time, and many different pens pinned it down. And we see that throughout all of this, we see the themes that are carried through. We see God's hands carried through. We see its being its own commentary. We see all these things that only God himself could orchestrate. And that's how we know that it is the true Word of God. I had the opportunity this week to converse a little bit with one of my uh, currently favorite fiction authors. And, uh, and I was talking about in a previous t- time that uh, how I have a vivid imagination, how I enjoy reading because it, it, as I read the words, it paints a picture. And I try to do that the same thing with the Word of God and to, to let it really come alive inside my mind. And uh, I enjoy this particular offer because he uses a lot of detail. He makes sure that things make sense, that we get from point A to point B without skipping anything in the middle so everything's laid out the way it should. It paints a vivid picture. And another thing that even though it is fiction, you can see that there's a lot of fact based to it, that there's things that we can relate to, the things that we know of, of this world. And the final thing that I enjoy is that he brings God into it. And not in a, a fictional sense, but in a real, true sense. Very much like some of the stuff we've been studying in the past weeks. How God fits into the picture, even though we don't seem like he's there. How he still is, and what our role is in that. And it was very refreshing to, to see this, especially in the work of fiction where... It can go in any direction, but he thought to incorporate this very important element. And that there's people out there that's working to put God out there, even if it's in an indirect way. So uh, 
Let's just stop right there and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to, to get into your word. Father, we thank you for your word, being able to have it here to study and to learn from, Father. I just ask you to take myself out of the way, Father, and just let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And um, for the prayer, I was, I was talking about this conversation. And uh, what brought it on was I had found a, a discrepancy. And it was a, a continuity issue. And um, he's like, yeah. He said, well, it's done over the course of so many years. Different editors took it into consideration, among other things, that there was basically, I'm human. And see, we don't have that kind of error when we have the Word of God because God made sure to give us everything we need. And as we look at passages, we need to look at everything because God has has put it there for us. And I'm going to be uh, coming out of John chapter 11. And it's verses 1 through 44. And I'm not going to read it word for word, every verse out of here today. It's just too much for time purposes. Um, you're all welcome to go and read that for yourself. It's a story that many of us are familiar with because uh, it's one of the, the miracle stories. And we seem to put an emphasis on the miracle stories. They were the ones that get made into cute little cartoons for, for the children's Sunday school. These are the ones we have Sunday school stories on. These are the ones that, that, that we seem to be presented to us because of the miracles. That's we, we love the miracles so much because they're so grand. And we see God's absolute power. We see power that is so great, seeing him do things that only God can do. And in John chapter 11, it's when Jesus raises Lazarus. So I'm going to give you a quick synopsis. They were Mary and Martha, and they had their, their differences. And this is where I've got to be really careful because I can go in so many different directions. You're going to so much we can talk about with this. I'm going to try to stay on point. And to title today's message, try to help me stay on point and help everyone stay on point, is that it's never too late. So uh, I definitely will come back. I want to revisit this because we look at some different elements here and just look at God's word and how so much is packed into it. And, and here we go. I'm rambling again. There was two sisters and a brother. They were all close friends of Jesus. They, he would go and he would, he would stay there. He would eat with them. They, uh, they loved to, to have him there. And one sister, she wanted to be a great host and try to do everything and one of them just wanted to absorb everything that Jesus had to say. And sometimes that caused a little bit of strife between the two. And they was real believers of Jesus. And uh, their brother Lazarus became sick. And uh, they sent for him. And in chapter 4, Jesus heard that and he said, The sickness is not unto death, but it's to the glory of God, that the Son of God might be the glorified thereby. See, they wanted him to come, and they wanted him to, to heal Lazarus. Guess what he did? Jesus went around healing the sick, and they believed he can do it. They saw him do it. That's what they wanted him to do. And I find it a little bit disheartening because they knew these things, but yet in another story we hear about the, uh, 
centurion that he knows that Jesus can heal from afar. You know, at that point, that's all Jesus had to do. He could have done it from afar. But they wanted him to come. They wanted him to lay hands. They wanted him there right then. We see that God has a, a bigger plan and a bigger picture. And so, Jesus, as they say, was late. Now, we should all know that Jesus is never late. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. So by the time that Jesus had showed up, Lazarus had passed. He was dead. Not just dead, but dead dead. Ceremonially, in the custom, he was dead long enough that the soul could no longer be in the body. He was wrapped up, prepared, and put into the tomb. He was dead dead. In the reality, there was no hope. There was no coming back from that. And there was great upsetness. They were upset with Jesus. Why didn't you come sooner? Why didn't you come right then? You could have done it. And then, because they were doing what we all do. We don't see God act in the way that we want him to. He don't work on our time schedule and we give up hope. They were upset. 25 said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He has to believe in me that we're dead. He shall. He live. And whoever shall liveth and believeth shall never die. Believeth thou this. Through this, Jesus had teaching to do. We see that there. And we also know as we go on that this was a, a key element in the salvation process because this was one of the events that pushed the Pharisees to make their move that led Jesus to that cross and Jesus had to go on that cross to be the sacrifice for all of us so we could be saved we could be covered in his blood And we see all this and we think, well, that's enough. That's a lot. This year, this is a lot going on here. But there is more. There is more. And we go back and we look at, at the, the themes. We look at the things that continually happen in the Word of God. We see healing. We see a, a man that's infected with demonic spirits that no one can even detain him. But Jesus is able to drive the spirits from him. We see the, the servant healed from afar just by the faith, knowing that he can speak and do and it be done. And it was done. We'll later see a thief hanging on a cross that was able to be saved. Jesus said that on this day you'll be in paradise with me. 
we see all kinds of things turned around. And why is this important? We can never give up because it is never too late. Because what happens when we have our hope shattered, when our faith wavers, when we let fear consume us, we don't allow God a way to help us. We hear words like terminal, chronic. There's nothing we can do. We see what we can see with the evidence that we have. This looks impossible. I see no way out. There is no hope. And these are the kind of things that Satan wants to present to us wants to put in front of us because they are all faith killers. If you learn anything from these teachings week after week, it is that we have to have faith. Faith is the key to everything. Even when we take our salvation, we have to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we are covered in the blood of Jesus, that we are truly accepting him, that he has forgiven us of our sins. We have to believe these things. Many churches, they want to pad their numbers. They want to rejoice in these things, and we, we rush them through, and we rush them through the, the waters of baptism. We never teach them why are we doing these things. We never sit down and ask, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And what does that mean for your life? These are questions as Christians, as believers, as people of faith that we need to be able to answer wholeheartedly. That we need to be able to answer without wavering. And we need to know beyond knowing. We need to be able to believe beyond believing. Faith it was, allows us to have our prayers to be answered. Pray, faith is what allows God to be able to move into our lives. Pray and faith is what brings down the kingdom of heaven here to be able to operate in this world we call earth. Faith. And no matter what we are presented with here on earth, no matter what man says, no matter what science shows us, none of these things are bigger than God. There is no man that can resurrect the dead. That is a godly power. There is no man that can overcome the world. There is no man that can take on every sin. 
There is no man that can save your soul. Only Jesus can do these things. And Christians, I'm talking to you directly right now because we're the ones. We're going to church and we're holding up our hands and we're praising Jesus. We say, I'm a believer and I have faith and we say our prayers every night. We're also the same ones that's letting circumstances, that's letting situations, that's letting fear contradict everything we say, everything that we stand for. Our actions speak louder than our words. We can say that we're a believer. We can say we have faith. We can say all these things. But what are your actions showing? So when we go into the the doctor's office and they, they use them words, it doesn't look good. The prognosis isn't good. There's really nothing we can do for you. You only have so much time. And sometimes what's worse is when you go in there and they can't really tell you what's going on. Well, I know you're hurt. I see you're in pain, but I really don't have an answer why. Well, it could be this. It could be that. But we don't really know. And what do we do? We we accept that. We take on that defeat. But I want you to look at that woman that for years she suffered an issue with a blood condition. She hired and fired doctor upon doctor upon doctor and wasted a fortune trying to solve an issue that no one could solve. But she knew one thing. She knew that God was bigger than all that. She knew that God had the answer. And she had faith. And she risked all kinds of punishment and ridicule to be able to go down. She fought that crowd because she believed. She had so much faith. If I could only touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. She made that a reality. Her faith was so strong. And I want you to know that it didn't have nothing to do with her touching Jesus. She could have been healed right where she stood. She could have been healed in his presence. The touch didn't have anything to do with it. There's been so many things, you know, they were... People, they want to go out and find these different garments of Jesus because they think if they could just put their hands on The power didn't rely, reside in any kind of garment. The power relies in God. And when Jesus made his sacrifice, everything that he has, he passed on to us. We don't have to go looking for any kind of artifact. We don't have to look for anything kind of special because we have that power. It is right inside all of us. That power that heals is inside of us. But we have to be able to activate it. And we do that through faith. In her mind, she had made up, if I could only touch the garment. 
And what happened? Jesus felt power go from him. Now this was before he made a sacrifice. It's before he gave everything to all of us. He felt the power leave from him because she was able to access it through her faith. Through her faith. We get in, in situations, we get into the trouble, we get into financial situations, and we can't see a way out. Because we can only see what's in front of us. We can only see what's behind us and to our immediate right and left. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. We don't know what the, the next week looks like, the month after that. But God does. And we look at the situation, we don't see anything, and we lose all hope, and we give up. And what we're doing is whenever we give up, we are severing that tie to God. We are closing that door. Faith opens up that door. It opens up every window. It lets God reign in from all directions. And as long as we maintain our faith, He can be right there. He can work. He can do. He can be active in our lives. But when we turn that faith off, it's like a switch. And what happens? We get covered up by fear. We get covered up by sin. We get covered up by the world. And this is not God being mean. This is not God being controlling. This is what has to be done because God cannot look upon sin. Jesus had to be sacrificed. We had to be covered in his blood. It is his blood that covers us that allows God to be able to look upon us. And we miss that. We miss that as human beings. We miss that part of it, that key part of it. So if we are covering ourselves in fear and anxiety and sin and the world, the world is sinful. It is a sinful, fallen world. Everything about it is corrupt. The only thing good in it is Jesus. And that's in all of us. But we have to let it out. We have to break that outer shell. We have to let the light shine through. And that's only done by faith. We look back at our lives. We spend a lot of time looking backwards because we can't see forward. We can only see so far. And no matter how well we have things planned out, you know, you can have everything going for you. You can be rich, you can be famous, you can be powerful, you can have all these great things. And yet, all it takes is one little cancer cell to change all that. One little accident, one little one of those little things coming from the left or the right behind us, we don't even see that swoops in and pulls the rug out from underneath us that changes our whole course. And then the same thing on the opposite side, one little bit of faith can turn everything around too. Spent the night fishing. Pulled up empty nets. 
Imagine what that would what's to look like. Well, we're not going to get paid today, boys. We got bills piling up. We got to get bait and we got to buy bread and we need to do all these things and we got to mend nets and we got a business to run. But yet, Jesus said, go here, let down your nets. And what was just looked like a, a horrible night of fishing turned out to be something grand. They got to see, they got to hear Jesus speak. Well, what an event that was. But all of that, they got to experience what it's like to be partnered with the kingdom of heaven and to be able to benefit from the wisdom of God. They got provision in the form of them fish that can only be God given. Faith. And faith is something that carries on even past the point of rescue. People have all kinds of things go wrong. They have pain, they have suffering, they have incurable chronic conditions, they have diseases come upon them that can be a, a, a life-threatening situation. And then also, they're healed. We have people getting accidents that they should never recover from, but they do fully. We could look out, I see... Uh, Tumor survivor, a couple cancer survivors, heart condition survivor, all these different things. And how we can look at it. So many times we say, well, the medicine healed me. The doctor healed me. My perseverance healed me. My diet, my exercise, whatever you want to put in front of it, but... Let's be real. It's God that does the healing. It's his power that does the healing. We are all extensions of him. They are very talented doctors. Very talented surgeons. That can do some amazing things. Saved many of lives. I've had some work on me. I've had some work on my family. And I am grateful that these people possess these skills. These are God-given skills. God-given talent. I wholeheartedly believe by faith that certain paths we go down, certain people we come in contact with, that God puts us in position to be with the right person at the right time. We are God's hands and feet. One question I like to ask when I'm consulting with new people that's going to be doing some kind of something for me, especially something as life and death is surgery as a doctor. Are you a believer? 
Now, I'm sure there's people that say, well, that's not a very political correct thing to say and not. I believe it's one of the best questions you can ask. Because I want somebody that's got God guiding their hands. I want someone that's got God directing their thoughts. Not someone that's driven by their own arrogance. Not someone that's driven by their own sense of self-worth. Because for many of these people, it's not even a pompous idea of themselves. It's a satanic-driven idea. Because Satan's not going to butt out. And if Satan can see a way to get in and work, he is going to do it. And you've heard me say it so many times, I'm sure your heart tired of me saying it. There is only light and dark. If you are not on the side of God, then you're on the side of Satan. If you're not walking in the light, you're walking in the dark. I want the light aligned with me. I want like-minded people on my team. Whether I'm working with them, working for them, or they're working with me, I want them to be like-minded. We see today that we have People that are being driven by greed, by power, by all of these, these evil things. And God is nowhere on the map in their eyes. And we see that all we have is destruction. We have death. We have a down spiral. Because we have no God in it. But back on subject, it is not too late. People that's been given a limited amount of time to live, made full recoveries and lived well beyond what the doctors say. Tumors shrink. Conditions go away. Things happen that cannot be explained by science. A doctor addressing a heart condition said, I don't know what happened. I've never seen that happen before. These kind of situations do not correct themselves. The surgery is the only way that he could be corrected. But yet, there is one thing. Prayer. Because God can do the impossible. It's hard right now. Nobody's life is perfect. No matter how looking in from the out time it may seem, nobody's life is perfect. We are have our own individual struggles. And oftentimes we don't let it show to the world and we, we fight these battles alone. Every year there's, there's countless suicides. It's because of a lack of hope. It's because the walls are closing in and there's 
seems like there's nothing to fix it. But never give up because nothing is bigger than God. We have to stay strong. We have to keep reminding ourselves. And that's why God's given us all these examples. All these examples. Lazarus was in that tomb for days. He was smelly dead. Smelly dead. And I can imagine when he said, Lazarus, come. He didn't come shuffling up out of there like a, like a zombie with his shoelaces tied together because he was all wrapped up in that shroud. He couldn't move. They had to have, they had tear the rags away from him because he was all like, oh. I imagine him coming up there flying out of there standing before the people and them tearing him out and just like a a freshly born baby he everything was restored that the the smell resided in the in the the sheets and the shrouds and and that he was restored inside and out it's never too late many times that we look back we think about all the things that we have done how we've we failed, how we've not been good Christians, how we've let people down, how we've hurt people, the things that's happened to us, how we've responded to that. We, we look at all these things and we say, how can, how can God love us? How can I get into heaven? How can these things? You know, these things don't matter. We have a loving God. We have been restored and redeemed from every sin. Just like that, that thief on the cross. We know that he was a thief. We know he was there for a specific reason, but I imagine that his life has probably been rough the whole entire time. He probably didn't have too much good that he had done. But yet, because he had faith, because he called upon the name of Jesus, it wasn't too late. And we look at the world we're living in now and it looks like it's bad. And, and many people are just sitting by. Christians, believers are just saying, okay, well, we're just, it's, it's the end now. We're just going to wait and wait for Jesus to come back. And we got everyone else is just sitting out there and we're just, well, we're going to see how it plays out. We're going to see what happens. We're just going to go with the flow. We're going to do these things. But it's not too late. If they're... Now, this is me speaking, but I believe by faith that if there was no more souls to be saved, if it was all done, then Jesus would be back right now. But I believe he's given us every opportunity to be able to save one more soul, save one more soul, to be able to be an influence for one more person. For us to do what we need to do to be his hands and feet, to spread the word of God, to spread the love of Jesus. The word says he will leave 
the 99 to go save the one. That's what we should be doing right now. It's not too late to turn things around. It's real easy to give up. Giving up and failing is one of the easiest things we can do. Nowhere in this word does it say that life shall be easy. And believe me, I know. It seems like that sometimes it's just you go from one thing after another after another and it's just things just keep getting thrown at you and coming against you and for every success there's three failures and sometimes it seems like it's just too much. Sometimes we just want to throw our hands up and say, okay, forget it. But then I wonder... Perhaps that in times when there's so much coming at us, why is it that Satan's taking that extra bit of time? Why is he treating me extra special? And I have to wonder that what is just beyond the horizon? What is that next step? What am I going to miss out on if I fall out of faith? If Satan's willing to block me so much and trying to deter me so much, what is he trying to take from me? Don't let him take it. Let's see what that next step is. Let's see what God has for us. We know that every good gift is from God. It's time. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, there is an answer. There is a peace that you can be at. It comes through faith and it comes through Jesus. Are you ready to start feeling that, that peace today? Do you have that faith? Can you overcome? God has given us everything that we need to be able to do so.